Well, the more we live as a Christian or somebody who follows Christ, the more difficult it gets. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hember. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. We are discovering the Bible, the world's best-selling book, uh, the oldest book in the world. And let me tell you something, from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, we are finding out some interesting thing today from Psalm 69. We'll talk about it in five minutes. What does that mean to us? Corey and Ryan are here today. Corey? I'm taking a look at some ancient royal architecture today. Ryan? Today, I'm going to be focused on Psalm 72, which I believe helps to resolve a mystery regarding the creation of light. All right, very good. Look forward to that. Now, Janice is here. They're coming up in 20 minutes. Janice in 25. Janice? Yes, it's our Friday wrap-up question of the week, and it's going to come anywhere from Psalm 41 through to 72. Be ready. All right, let's get ready and go and listen to what the Lord says. Psalm 69, 1 through 12. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. I have come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. I am weary with my crying. My throat is dry. My eyes fail while I wait for my God. Those who hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of my head. They are mighty who would destroy me, being my enemies wrongfully. Though I have stolen nothing, I still must restore it. O oh God, you know my foolishness, and my sins are not hidden from you. Let not those who wait for you, O Lord God of hosts, be ashamed because of me. Let not those who seek you be confounded because of me, O God of Israel. Because for your sake I have borne reproach, shame has covered my face. I have become a stranger to my brothers and an alien to my mother's children. Because zeal for your house has eaten me up and the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. When I wept and chastened my soul with fasting, that became my reproach. I also made sackcloth my garment. I became a byword to them. Those who sit in the gate speak against me, and I am the song of the drunkards. Psalm 69, verses 1 through 12. Psalm 69, 70, 71, and 72. That's what we read as we continue going through the Bible in one year. Very exciting here on Bible Discovery TV. And we are in a time of great shifting in the world. Never before have individuals traveled so fast, so far, and so high as they do today. Never before we have been so consistent in communication with anyone anywhere from a device in our pocket. Never before could a person radically change their body with medical transforming surgery. You know, we live in these times of change, yet there are some people who have set their mind on the eternal things of God, 
who have not become involved in certain things that would bring us into the temptation of sin and pull us away from the living Lord Jesus. Now, these people are often ridiculed or criticized for their choices. They are called old fashioned or simple thinking like myself. Psalm 69 speaks to us from the heart of one asking God to rescue in trouble and how to respond well when people ridicule and take advantage of us for choosing to love and to serve our one Lord and God. Now, this is absolutely stunning today. It's absolutely fascinating. Take your Bible guide, turn to today's passage because we're going to talk about it. And as you do so, let me remind you that if you don't have a Bible guide, you can get a hold of a Bible guide, which will lead you through the world's best-selling book, the most important book of ever in the Bible. And uh, what it does is you call or write to us and we'll send it to you. Or you can go to Bible Discovery TV and at Bible Discovery TV, simply click Click on the page. It'll take you to a donate page. Thank you so much for your donations. And may I say that we very much appreciate them. And Father, I pray today in the name of Jesus that people would be touched by you, that you would help them and sustain them in this time for giving to this ministry and keeping uh, us strong and, and going forward. In Jesus' name, amen. So keep that in mind. Now, we're going to be talking about times of change. And Father, I pray today as we focus our mind on the times of change and not changing when it comes to serving you, not changing when it comes to serving you, help us, Lord, to realize that your Bible, the, the word of God speaks to our spirit, which is at the center of our being. And that no matter what technology revolves around us, the center of our being is who we truly are. And help us, Lord, in Jesus' wonderful name. And we said together, amen. Make it so, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, here's the question. Have you read the Bible today? Well, if you haven't, join us in Psalm 69. This is a great way to start. Here's what it says. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire. Where there is no standing, I have come into deep waters. Waters where the floods overflow me, and I am weary with crying. My throat is dry, and my eyes fail while I wait for my God. Now, this is absolutely stunning. Listen careful. Life gets harder to live in this world when we serve Jesus Christ. Now, listen carefully. Life gets harder to live in this world when we serve Jesus Christ, yet God is faithful to provide for us in these times when we pray to him. God remains faithful, beloved. We need to keep that in mind. Although life becomes more difficult, things become harder and it become people make fun of us more still when we pray and ask God to help us and learn to love those who are our enemies. We learn that our real enemy, the enemy of our soul, Satan or the destroyer, the devil, he is the one who comes into a great desperate case because we have the power of God. And when we pray and we say, Lord, help me, as Psalms has told us in Psalm 69, we identify, Lord, I'm drowning. I, I need your help. Then God moves in 
and that becomes powerful. So if we have not prayed for, as we should do every day, the strength of God, then we should. Very interesting. Now let's go on because Psalm 69 verse four continues. Those who hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of my head. That's incredible. They are mighty who would destroy me being my enemies wrongfully, though I have stolen nothing, I still must restore it. Oh God, you know my foolishness and my sins are not hidden from you. Let none, let not those who wait for you, O Lord of hosts, be ashamed because of me. Let, th- let not those who seek you be confounded because of me, O God of Israel. Listen to that prayer. So important. Our taxes and our money are being taken and used for things we do not agree with. And we need to understand that. But as Christians who love the Lord, we must pray that we would not be held responsible for these bad decisions because these are bad decisions being made. And we pray, Father, we we didn't make these decisions. Understand and help us. And if we pray that God will hear our hearts, he will hear our souls and he will redeem us and help us. That becomes very important. So, Father, help us today to make the right decisions in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. A lot of people get upset about the money of the taxes, their taxes being spent on things they just absolutely don't agree with. Well, there's nothing wrong with getting upset about it, but we need to understand we really don't have control over it. So we have to pray and do what we can and say, Lord, help us. Prayer is such a key part. It's not just demonstrating, not just doing this or voting that way. It's prayer. Come to fall on your face before God. That's what it is. That's the secret, the secret weapon, if you would. Prayer, very important. All right, let's go on to Psalm 69, 7 to 12. Because for your sake, I have borne reproach. Shame has covered my face. I have become a stranger to my brothers, an alien to my mother's children, because zeal for your house has eaten me up. And the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. When I wept and chastened my soul with fasting, they became my reproach. I also made sackcloth my garments. I became a byword to them. And those who sit in the gate speak against me. And I am the song of drunkards. This is what he's saying. Many will not understand our commitment to serve God with all of our heart with all of our mind and with all of our soul. But God will be with us until the end of the age. God will be with us until the end of the age. So Father, today I pray, and there are many people overseas, many people in the other lands watching me who feel the sense of this psalm and pray it today. And I pray for them and I pray for us. Help us to stand strong. Make us strong by your Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. And we pray, Lord, that we would not become angry and start to take vengeance ourselves, but help the people who do the persecution to know you and understand that it is us, your children, the Lord Jesus Christ, that they are persecuting. But a lie is when somebody tells you, I know how you'll be happy, you buy this hairspray and you're going to be happy. 
You smell like this flower, you're going to be happy. You take this drug, you're going to be happy. You buy this car, you're going to be happy. See, it all tells me I'm going to be happy. No, I'm not. That's not how this works. The truth is that I am not happy until I find the purpose of why I exist. My purpose for living. All right, so today we are going to be taking a look at uh, the time period of King David. We're in the Psalms. David wrote a lot of the Psalms, so why not? We are going to be focusing in on uh, a massive piece of architecture that David commissioned during his reign. And of course, I'm talking about the Davidic Palace in ancient Jerusalem. Now, given the amount of times that ancient Jerusalem and modern Jerusalem has been destroyed and rebuilt, you would think that there's probably nothing left, but we would be wrong. There is something left. Take a look. With excavations beginning in 2005, prominent archaeologist Alat Matsar believes that she may have found remnants of King David's palace in Jerusalem. Many years prior to excavating, she had theorized that King David's palace was likely just outside of the walls of the Jebusite city of Jerusalem that David originally conquered. She believes her reasons are both practical and biblical. She reasoned that since the city's fortified area at that time was quite small and densely populated, that David would have either had to level a small area inside the wall, or he could have built a palace outside of the wall as he planned to expand the city anyway to eventually include the Temple Mount to the north. Mazar hypothesized the palace would have been located just north of where the great defensive fortress of the city, the Fortress of Zion, is believed to have been. This northern location is on the natural ascent to the Temple Mount, which she believed also worked with the Bible's description of David's movements during a Philistinian attack, where he is said to have gone down to the stronghold, presumably from his palace that had been built for him by specialized foreign workmen from Tyre. The idea is this downward movement recorded in the Bible points to David's palace being just north of the defensive walls that's geographically higher in elevation than the rest of the city. Once trowels hit the ground, Metzar did reveal evidence of a grand building with walls that were defensively six to eight feet thick. This building seems to have been integrated with something today called the stepstone structure. The stepstone structure is a massive man-made support foundation that artificially expands the surface area of the ridge on which the city was built. Next to this and connected to it is Matsar's building named the Large Stone Structure, after handmade fine stones that it was built out of. The decorative top of an ancient pillar was even found that's now believed to have come from the Large Stone Structure, evidence of its careful, lavish construction. The dating of the building is somewhat contested, but Matsar believes it dates to around 1000 BC, right when David would have been ruling. There we go. A little glimpse into, you know, the the physical work that David had commissioned. And we know from the history of the scriptures, it talks about how David made an alliance with Hiram, the king of Tyre, and that it was actually um, Hiram's... Uh, men, his artisans and his architects, and also material from Tyre that actually built this temple in Jerusalem. Um, this, not the temple, sorry, the, the palace of David in Jerusalem. They were utilized a generation later as well to help build the temple, but 
Today, we're focusing on the palace. <laughs> yeah, that's very, very fascinating. I love it. That's my new favorite word, fascinating. I go through them, you know, interesting, yeah. fascinating, cycle. exciting. Cycle yeah, I'm choosing fascinating for a while. Anyway, go ahead, Ryan. <laughs> All right. Well, today I want to talk about a fascinating biblical mystery that involves the creation of light. And according to Genesis chapter 1, God created light on the first day of creation. But this light could not have been the sun because the sun, moon, and stars weren't created until the fourth day. So if this light wasn't the sun, then what was it? Well, I believe one of the keys to answering this question is found in Psalm 72, verse 17, although it will require us to look to the original Hebrew language. So let's do that. As the name suggests, the book of Genesis is a book of firsts. The first recorded words of the Creator God, for example, come as early as Genesis chapter 1 verse 3, where He commands light to come forth. This is very interesting since God had not yet created the light-giving sun and moon. In fact, the greater and lesser lights would not be created for another three days. Thus, according to the Bible, there was a light source before the sun. Skeptics frequently ridicule the Bible on this point, writes astronomer Danny Faulkner. They argue that ignorant and foolish people wrote it, since they didn't see a problem with the fact that the sun didn't exist for the first three days of creation. However, the creation account doesn't identify the source of the light for the first three days, so we don't know what the source was, but we can be sure that it was not the sun. Also, as scientist and theologian Jonathan Sarfati points out, this unusual counterintuitive order of creation, light before sun, actually adds a hallmark of authenticity. If the Bible had been the product of later editors, as many critics allege, then they would surely have modified this to fit with their own understanding. Significantly, it's in the last few centuries that astronomers have realized that a day-night cycle needs only light plus rotation. But if the light for the first three days was not the sun, then what was it? Many speculate that God himself was that light. This is drawn from passages such as 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, which parallels the light God created on day one to the light God shines in our hearts. Another verse used to support this view is Revelation chapter 21, verse 23, which tells us that the new Jerusalem will have no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God will illuminate it. Others speculate that the source of this light was God's Shekinah glory, while still others believe that this light was not God, but something he created. In modern scientific terms, writes Jonathan Sarfati, we would talk about electromagnetic radiation and photons. Henry Morris quite reasonably argues that while the narrow visible part of the electromagnetic spectrum is emphasized in contrast with the darkness, this probably included invisible parts such as infrared and ultraviolet as well. Critical, though, to this discussion is Psalm 72:17. though this verse is often overlooked because of its mistranslation into English. The King James Version of the Bible, for example, declares of the Messiah that his name shall endure forever. His name shall continue as long as the sun. But that's not exactly what the original Hebrew text says. Rather, it says that his name shall endure forever. His name was there before the sun. Thus, it seems clear that Jesus Christ is both figuratively and literally the light of the world, even before the sun. So the question isn't really what was the light source before the sun, but who was the light source? 
And all the biblical passages that I mentioned seem to point to Jesus Christ, the creator of the heavens and the earth. Psalm 72, 17 and John 1 confirm that he was there in the beginning. And as Isaiah 60 and Revelation teach, in the future, the Lamb of God will be the light instead of the sun and moon, just like he was before he created them. How very fitting. Jesus Christ, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, it's also both the first and last light. And I, I, I find this fascinating to use that word again. Uh, Psalm 72, 17 says, may his name endure forever and his fame continue as long as the sun. Right. But in the Hebrew, it's before. Exactly. Yeah. As long, in other words, the sun before and after the sun, the sun is a source for this time and time is confined. And so God is not confined to time. He is outside of time. And uh, I find this interesting because when you begin to define this light, what is light? And I, I've asked the question many times, this is not a question for here right now, but I've asked the question, how do we see in heaven uh, if the sun is light and if all light is, you know, the sun from the sun or whatever, how do we see in heaven? And so the answer to that question is simple. We see because the perceptions of our, uh, our sensories to see are driven by God. They're not driven by the things that are around us. And we need to keep that in mind. It's a very interesting question. Now, we don't have time to discuss that here, but that's fascinating. Okay, so we, we have to talk about your weekend program. Oh, sure. Okay, so um, I have a YouTube channel. It's my name, Corey Bavechko. And on that YouTube channel, every single weekend, uh, my husband and I release two videos. First, we release a 10-minute recap, which is just, it is what it sounds like. It's 10 minutes where I go through with you uh, point by point what happened in our Bible reading that week. And the idea behind that is just to get you caught back up on your Bible reading if you've fallen behind. Uh, and then the other video that we release on YouTube each weekend is the weekend show. So Matlock and I cover all sorts of interesting topics that pop up as we're reading through the Bible. And we also aim to discuss viewer questions as well that you send to us at hello at BibleDiscoveryTV.com. And also in the comment section on YouTube, people send us questions there too. And, and topics as well, just interesting topics. That we so like to these programs are also available. They're on, on your, your uh, YouTube site, yeah. but they're also mm -hmm. available at BibleDiscoveryTV.com and they're available at our, on the 24-7 channel that we have called yep. Bible Discovery TV, which is yep. fascinating to use that word again, uh, because we have all of our programs we produce here on that channel. And so people can see what we're doing, what we're up to. It's our own channel. And I'm very excited about it. <laughs> yeah. And it just depends on what people are looking for. If they want something to put on and just play and, and just watch, that's perfect. And then if there, there's other people that want a little bit more interaction, they want to comment and things like that, that's where YouTube comes in. Exactly. Like and so we've got the prayer meeting. We've got Beyond the Call. We've got Sheree Joshua. We've got This is Israel. We've got Bible Discovery TV. It's all on the channel. And so I'm very excited about it. plus all of your stuff. And by the way, you can also get your stuff, um, the weekend program and the recap on the Roku channel and on Firestick TV, which is really interesting awesome. as well. So uh, there you go. It's all part of what we're doing here. And we're very excited about this. All right. I remember when TVs just had the little ears. <laughs> yeah. And you ears. have to walk up and turn the knob. I'll tell you, it's come a long way. And now we have all of these. I don't, I can't even It's too up. much for even me. 
and I'm a I'm an older millennial, so I I'm I'm a pretty like I I stick to my YouTube pretty much. That's mm-hmm. yeah, that's my zone. But it's and it, some people like the complications though. No, we're on YouTube, we're on Facebook, we're on we're on the internet, Bible Discovery TV, and the best place to really find us is Bible Discovery TV because your programs are there too. Yes, they are. And so we're very very excited. For you to see that because and, that's know, great. Although I'm not a techie person, I I really am very thankful to God that He has given us access. Wonderful, us meaning you know, mankind, yes. humanity, uh, all of these different ways that we can be in contact. Mm-hmm. Definitely, I, I tell you, I, I'm excited that we have guys like DJ and Chris. And Daniel and other guys who are really technically, and your husband, who's Mr. Technical Smart Guy, and and we can put all this together. <laughs> the official title, Mr. Technical. Yes, Mr. Smart technical guy. Smart Guy. Yes, that is. Uh, but it's it's awesome. They really put us in the center of this, and I'm just excited about it. So anyway, <laughs> well, when we can do a live prayer meeting or a live event, and we can be joined by somebody over in Nigeria, or and we are, or yeah. somewhere, you know. That's pretty thrilling. Very exciting. That's pretty thrilling. Very exciting. You know what else is thrilling? The Friday question. Depends. Now, well, and I did, I think it was last week that I said, it's not an easy feat, uh. let me tell you, to create questions from the Psalms. I believe you. Mm. Yes. So we are going to take another, there is a word missing okay. in this phrase, in these verses that I'm going to read. One verse, actually. I love Psalms. Uh, all right. So. There's a little bit of, of a pre... You know what? I'm just going to read it. <laughs> what bird did David use as an example when he said that he would fly away and be at rest? Here's the verse. Fearness and trembling have come upon me, and horror has overwhelmed me. So I said, oh, that I had wings like a... I would fly away and be at rest. So wings like an eagle, wings like a dove. Or wings like a sparrow. What do you think? You <laughs> I was like mouthing to Ryan. Right. I hope yeah. you didn't see me. I think that's right. Okay, I'll. You know what? I'll go. I'll go with your. Mm, it's just a favorite of his. I don't know for sure. What, so, is, what, what is it? Fearfulness and trembling have come upon me, and horror has overwhelmed me. So I said, "Oh, that I had wings like a." I would fly away and be at rest, like an eagle, like a dove. Like See, a I thought it was eagle, and she's thinking dove. Yeah, mm. it could be. He uses yeah. eagle. Right. But I yeah. feel so, like in this section he uses. We got ten dove. seconds. Right. I'm so, going dove. Do you want to go? I'll eagle? go eagle. All right. Fearfulness and trembling have come upon me, and horror has overwhelmed me. So I said, "Oh, that I had wings like a dove! Oh. I would fly away and be at rest." Psalm 55, verses five and six.
I've said it a lot. I'll say it again. BD family and friends on the Roku box is a good way to get a hold of watching us 24-7. The programs we do here, you can also get a hold of it on our website at BibleDiscoveryTV.com. Now, I want to say this. I want to pray and I, and I want you to join me. Lord, I praise your name for the wonder of your divine power. Help me to understand that power and live your word each and every day.